pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 178 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan and with me is the Tyler Joseph of Irish MMA Media. As we look back on a big week for MMA and look forward to another big week next week as as UFC visit Russia for the first time. But I suppose uh, we're we're going to look back on on Tyron Woodley's huge win at the weekend over Darren Till and all the rest of UFC 228. Graham, how were you? Boring kind of weekend, wasn't it? Apart from the UFC, no soccer or nothing. The international week is just a pain in the arse, isn't it? Yeah, Ireland just getting absolutely hammered by Wales as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's not a good start to the, the Nations League and uh, international football is already annoying. And when Ireland get hammered, it's, it's even more annoying. I just, just want the Premier League, Premier League and normal La Liga and all to be back. Yeah, like, does anyone care about international football? Like, why is international football even on? Like, it's when the World Cup comes around, people do, and the European Championships. But these nation leagues are, are and friendlies and stuff. People don't seem to care about. Yeah, they're an absolute waste of time. Like, I absolutely hate them. But at least we had some good world class MMA to watch this weekend, and uh, the, the fight. I suppose last week, you know, we talked about Tyron Woodley against Darren Till an awful lot, and we talked about it as a match that was maybe hard to call, and. You know, it was going to. I think I said it last week that it was the first seven minutes of this fight would, would tell all whoever dominated that I think would dominate the whole fight, and it kind of played out that way. But I'm not sure I thought it would play out as as one sided as it did for Time Woody. Did you? No, I definitely didn't think. I think I thought Till would have more success. I thought he'd get a few strikes going at least, uh, be able to push Woody back a little bit. But I did. I think we did say last week that. Or maybe it was on Patreon. I'm not sure, but we said that uh, if if Woodley can get an early takedown, it's very bad news for Till. But I didn't expect it to be as as it was. I thought he'd be able to to do a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, he was just dominated. Yeah, like this. It started out kind of oddly, I think, because Till or, or Woodley even was moving around an awful lot more than you know than he normally does. I think he was trying to be light on his feet, trying to you know. I I, I did the the rewatch on on uh, Patreon the other day, and I talked about the variation is obviously a key for lots of people, most people, but it's a key for Tyron Woodley is more than anyone, I think. And I thought I thought his variation from the start was very good. You know, he was light on his feet, moving around, trying to circle away, and not you know Woodley in the past and what a lot of people have criticized him for is the way he gets stuck against the cage now a lot of that is by design but sometimes it's just him being very defensive as well and you know i think him against the cage is a place that he can obviously you know pounce from where you know whether it's to get to the clinch or to get the takedowns or whatever or to you know to land those big counter shots off of it but last night i think he only once he got caught against the cage and it was the one shot till landed, and I'm not sure if he even landed. I saw a few people saying he didn't land a single shot in the fight. I thought he landed that one, and that was it, to be honest. But other than that, Woodley was, you know, he was he was just dominant. He came out as well, and you know, we spoke about it last week. Like Darren Till, what he likes to do is he likes to come forward and land with a big clip. And till or uh, Woodley did not let him do that. You know, Woodley came out straight away. He backed up, but he came out with you know, one, two, threes of combinations. And Darren Till said it afterwards. You know, he got to the clinch early from a few strikes. I don't think he tried the clinch in per se at that stage. And then uh, Till pulled him over to the cage, and it was it was broken up uh, from there. But after that, again, you know, there was another clinch after that. But Woodley again, you know, Till uh, watching it in between rounds, I think I kind of tweeted or I was thinking it anyway. 
that. Like, this seems like Till is playing the long game here. Didn't it? Did you have that kind of feeling after on one? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I think it would go all out against against uh, Woodley early as well because Woodley is very explosive and very powerful early as well. So maybe that factored into it. Maybe it was a fact, factor of it is five rounds and uh, and Woodley is, is very powerful and dangerous early as like he's proven a few times. And most recently, I think, was the Robbie, Robbie Lawler knockout when he won the belt. Um, and he was kind of known for that before. He kind of became this kind of master game planner or... or been able to execute whoever's making the game plans in his team so uh, he definitely has that in his locker maybe to worry of that as well but I think five rounds would have played a factor as well yeah I, I agree but the, look the thing about Till here is like he, okay he didn't really make any excuses afterwards he said he kind of warmed up a bit weird he wasn't feeling great in the background and you know maybe that's a lot you know you talk about it a lot as well that guys their first kind of big outing and and it, the pressure gets him a little bit but it it didn't seem like that. It just seemed like he was waiting. And he said it afterwards. You know, he was waiting for his game plan to go. It was kind of, you see a lot in boxing. You know, I let this guy kind of burn himself out for the first two or three rounds. And then I'll come on strong late. Now, that's a very, very hard game plan to do in MMA. You you rarely see that. You know, it happens in fights. But you rarely see someone go up and plan to do that. You know, give away the first two rounds and win the last three. That's not a... I don't think in MMA there's just so many variables and stuff that you can't control things that well, I think. I think you have to go out and control it from the starter. You know, okay, maybe the first round, Anderson Silva used to do that an awful lot and then pounce afterwards. You know, maybe Till was trying to do that and he kind of... He alluded to that and was caught heavy at the, at the start of the, the first, you know, I think um, Daniel Cormier said it really, really well afterwards about the shot that actually knocked Till down. You know, it was kind of that McGregor shot where he tries to throw the lead uppercut and then comes with the uh, the left hand behind it. That Against someone, and we saw James Gallagher doing it as well last week, something similar to that. When you're fighting someone who's faster than you, you know, which, uh, like we talked about, Gallagher, he went down a weight and obviously it's going to be faster there. Darren Tillis said himself he's a, he's basically a light heavyweight fighting a welterweight and Tyron Woodley's probably you know the fastest welterweight in the world well there's probably a couple more but he, he's definitely up there the fastest top level welterweight anyway without a, without a doubt and when you give him that opportunity when you're wide open throwing a big uppercut and then throwing a big loop and left hand behind it he's going to take that opportunity and that's what I kind of I, you know I kind of alluded to last week that you know Woodley we forget a lot of times about Woodley because he, of his last three fights what he you know what he is and what he can be now Woodley the Make no mistake about it, Woodley can be a boring uh, decision fighter who plays this long game over five rounds. He can be that 100%, but he can also be a guy who gets against someone like a Robbie Lawler or someone like a Darren Till and realises that they will give you openings because they attack. And I'll be smart, I won't get hit, but I'll, I know I'm faster than him. I know I'm more powerful than them in a lot of occasions. And I know I can attack when I need to attack and knock them out or, or hurt them or you know take them down or whatever I need to do. And I think that's exactly what he did against Till here. He saw that big opening. It was really the first time Till gave him that opening and he took it, you know, knocked him down, hurt him, I don't think it was actually hurt that badly. I don't think it was hurt that badly from all the shots either. I think, as well, I suppose, another point, Daniel Cormier's commentary on this, I think, was... He's obviously good friends with Tyron Woodley and stuff. It was it was pretty bad. He was like, oh, Till is gone, Till is gone. Like, Till looked fine, to be honest. You know, and, you know it, it was a weird one from Cormier anyway. But however... Um, Load of you know big elbows, big shots in the ground, big ground and pound. Till looked he looked like a fish up a tree on the ground. He looked absolutely awful. Couldn't get guard. He was fishing for arm bars and stuff. Just very odd looking. And then he caught him with the darts in the end. That elementary kind of stuff. Till just kind of 
sat there and took it to be honest and it was it was it was pretty bad on there but how did how did you see that that second round were you as kind of aghast with how Till fought as me well tries to get to get Woodley to exchange and maybe he thought that was his best way of getting it done but as you say if you throw a looping shot so fast and you throw them straight shots uh, very quickly and um it was a very dangerous if it was a plan until but maybe it was more frustration and he just he just was going to throw a combination here and try and get things going for me because it, it was a, it was a very sl- slow start for him and he was kind of maybe he was thinking this is all going wrong I need to I need to make something happen but uh, it was obviously ill advised and, and led to him getting getting dropped and yeah I don't think I don't think he was nearly finished like like Cormier was saying at the time but Cormier Cormier's commentary is always a bit. Hit and miss, <laughs> especially when he's has some involvement with, the, with one of the fighters, or knows them, or trains with them, or has fought them. He tends not to be very good. Then maybe they should keep him away from fights where he has a, an involvement. Yeah, yeah, I I tend to agree with that. But I, I suppose like a broader point on this is Wood, yeah, Woodley. I th- I, look, I, I suppose Till first. Till I think is a guy who John Morgan asked him afterwards: Is this going to be it for welterweight? Are you going to go to middleweight? I think he should probably just go to middleweight because Woodley's beating him now. I don't think Woodley's losing that time title anytime soon. It's going to take him three or four fights, maybe maybe two, three, we'll say, fights to get back there. If he got you know a couple of big wins, say if he beat Wanderby again, beat Robbie Lawler, maybe. Does he want to be cutting weight another four times to get to 170? I'm not sure he really does. I think he'd be better off moving to 185. Just take that away, you know. Take take the weight cutting issue away. We, we, look what it did for for um, for Robert Whitaker, and look what it did for Kelvin Gastelum, and you know, you, there's loads of other people. I think that'd be best for him. And I also think it'd be best for him because he needs to concentrate on improving his skills at this stage of his career rather than just cutting weight. And, you know, he said three weeks out, he was basically, you know, dieting down, could do nothing but diet down for three weeks. Like, that's that's bad when you're that young of a fighter. And, you know, he's... We saw him on the ground last night. He just... He's he's not there yet on the ground. He's still improving. Every, like Darren Till, we we talked about it. Darren Till was getting rushed into this. We talked he, talked about him getting rushed into the Wonderboy fight. Arguably, he lost that fight and he lost this fight. So I think that we're we're probably right on on that uh, on that count. But I still think Darren Till can be a really good fighter. You know, he's not definitely not there yet after last night. He, well, he's uh, he's still a really good fighter. No, he did he did go five rounds at Wonderboy. It was very close. So that's a hundred percent a good fighter. But to be the best fighter in the world to beat Woodley, I still think he has a ways to go. I think middleweight is a lot easier of a ground to. To, to plow as well. Um, I, I think there's a lot of winnable fights for him there as well. And oh, uh, go on. At the very top of middleweight is, is tough, and he doesn't. He won't have that kind of size and reach advantage up there. So it kind of depends on how. If he thinks he can, he can make it with it, like maybe he needed to die there. Maybe he needs to to start out earlier uh, amps, and maybe he needs to take a bit of time away and not not drastically change his body in between in between fights. You know. Maybe welterweight is the future, but I don't see why you would like you, you can try out one eighty five and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work and you can you can go back and you're kinda of in the same situation as you are now. You still need two or three fights to get back in contention at, at, at welterweight. So I think it is a good time to to go to middleweight. Uh, uh, like you get away with these drastic weight cuts when you're young, but they do take a toll on, on people and even you look at Max Holloway, like we still don't even know what happened there. Like that's worrying stuff like and other fighters should be looking. You know, I don't. I don't want to be doing these extreme weight cuts uh, much longer, or maybe only have like two or three, two or three in. Yeah, and look, I think, I think for Tyron Woodley, then this is this is a fight where I think you know you can look at it and say that Darren Till maybe 
as we said there, you know, he isn't there yet. He isn't at his peak yet. But I still think he's a really, really good fighter. And for Tyron Woodley's point of view, I think this shows how good of a fighter Woodley actually is. Like, look at his resume. Wonderboy, you know, went went five rounds with him twice. Like, I personally think Wonderboy is still the best welterweight in the world. Uh, you know, it's between him and Woodley and Rory McDonald as well, obviously. And, you know, Rory beat Woodley, but whatever. But, you know, he beat Maya, who was at really at the top of his game at that time. You know, okay, he's a bad... Tyron Woodley is a bad matchup for him. Beat Robbie Lawler, who was you know, at the, at the top of his game as well, now be Till, you know, I think, I think you need to give Rob, um, Tyron Woodley a lot of respect, you know, he, I, th- I think he is the most underrated fighter in the world, like, we, we talked about it a lot last week, you know, and the, the big issue with this fight going into it was, um, you know, what was Woodley going to actually do? Because he can kind of do everything. You know, he can wrestle. He can clinch, as we saw last night. He can throw those big shots. You know, he can defend. He can go for a tactical matchup with you. He is so well-rounded. It's unbelievable. And we saw the submission again last night. You know, his, his jiu-jitsu coming up. He got his jiu-jitsu black belt after it. And, okay, maybe Taylor's not exactly Damien Maya on the ground. But still, he, he still managed to get that, that submission. So, I think... You know, people need to start respecting Tyron Woodley a little bit more, start giving him the juice for what he actually is. And I think that's a really, really, really good fighter. Yeah, he is. He, he's like, he came off shoulder surgery like it was nothing enough. Fight. He, like, I, I was kind of thinking that might have a big, a big layoff of shoulder. Like, shoulders are, shoulders and, and knees are the worst, but shoulders are like a lot of movements you do and a lot of wrestling and a lot of clinching and a lot of punching is like if you if your shoulder isn't right it's not going to be right so yeah i think you were saying earlier you don't see him losing the belt i tend to i tend to agree yeah like i don't think they're, they're going to put wonderboy back in there with him like like i think wonderboy if they, could beat him if they made that matchup but i i don't see them making that matchup anytime soon so uh, i i think woodley is more than likely going to unless there's a contender comes out of nowhere or not out of nowhere, but makes leaps and bounds, improves leaps and bounds, and there's always style matchups. But yeah, I think Woodley, as you mentioned earlier, will probably be probably be a champion for a little while. So for the tail weight cut and for Wonderboy, maybe Wonderboy as well could be looking at middleweight. Yeah, he's looking at Whitaker. He's beaten Whitaker in the first round knockout, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe the both of them could could end up at a uh, sooner rather than later. And obviously, as I mentioned, the Max Holloway thing and other weight cuts being people being pulled from fights including like you know last title fight fell apart last night for for weight cutting reasons so hopefully maybe we'll see uh, more guys move up yeah and we'll get to that fight in a second but I, I think it's obviously Colby Covington is, is probably next for Tyron Woodley and I think that's a gimme fight for Tyron Woodley to be honest what, what's Covington going to do like is, is he going to take him down maybe but I don't think so is he going to beat him in the feet definitely not is he going to st- Stop Woodley from hitting him whenever he wants to. I don't think so either. I think that's I think that's a pretty easy fight for Tyron Woodley. He was talking last night about you know that there's a, a card coming up in MSG and you know Nate Diaz is going to be on that card uh, as the co-main event and he you know, we know Nate Diaz draws numbers. You know he's a needle mover and if Tyron Woodley can get in there and get his pay-per-view points on that main main event, I think he'd take that. Do you do you see it the same way? Yeah, I think he would. Uh, I think even the other Diaz, Nick Diaz, <laughs> any of the Diaz's, I think Nate has a bigger pull now. I think historically Nick did and kind of brought up Nate up with him. But now obviously Nick's been on the sideline for so long and obviously Nate had them huge, huge high-profile fights with Connor. I think was was voted like the best fight of, of all time in the UFC and some re- re- uh, recent things. So um, obviously his stock is... His stock has never been any higher. Definitely wasn't the best fight of all time in the UFC. That was a, not a hope. 
it's just some people have so much emotionally invested in in Connor winning or Connor becomes more like outside of the fight actual uh, technical fight it becomes more to people yeah it, it, like it was a good fight taking that away from it but I don't think it was uh, I don't think it was John, Jones versus Gustafson or I don't think it was Henderson Shogun or I don't think it was Trig Hughes too uh, or anything but however we won't get off the point let's, let's get to let's get to what was supposed to be the co-main event uh, in this uh, in this card and that was Nico Montano was supposed to take on Valentina Shinko we talked a, bit, a little bit about it on, on Patreon but let's talk about it a little bit more here more has come out since um, Nico Montano I don't know if you saw it I, I think it was this morning or last night released uh, a statement saying that she kind of told the UFC that she was going to be back in October uh, or that she wanted to be back in October and they said no she needed to be September they kind of forced her into it uh, a little bit and that she wouldn't have enough time to recover and to make weight and stuff she talked about coming out of tough and that it messes with your body having to make weight so many times and look i definitely feel sorry for her in that way but i think if you go in there and it's a title fight and you fail to even make the scales and you miss weight i don't think you can have too much sympathy for her getting the the title uh, taken away now you can have sympathy for her in that she missed weight and her kidney shut down and she you know it was really bad and look we, we can talk about weight cutting over and over and over again it's it's terrible it needs to change they need to they need to change it up but this was this was really i think a bit a, a fairly cut and dry situation here and you know str- stripping her of the belt was really the only option they had wasn't it yeah well yeah it's not, it's not as if you know she's she's maybe if it was a different situation and she was a huge draw like ronda rousey or something or yeah. gina Carano back in the day they definitely wouldn't trip the belt but she has no special pulling power or any power that, that of num- big numbers or anything so I, I think the second she missed weight it was kind of inevitable that they were going to strip her the belt yeah what, what do you think they do next with that title obviously they said shevchenko for the end of the year who who puts in there's Chukagan, Jessica, a lot of people talking, including myself, mm. about Ian Jacek coming up. Ian Jacek has kind of put off that before, but I think that's the fight that probably makes sense. Yeah, well, like, Shevchenko is probably like, what the f- She's probably like, here, this is a nice fight for me to get the title. And yeah. she, uh, I'd say she got, like, I saw some tweet about she got paid, but they said they were happy with what the UC paid. would be sick, because if she ends up fighting UNA and Jacek, it's a, it's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, it really is. It's a you know a lot tougher of a, of a matchup last night, and uh, I I was talking as well last night about maybe Tatiana Suarez coming up. I know you didn't catch all that fight; you were you were just coming in from it. But did, you know she looks huge at one hundred and fifteen pounds. She absolutely decimated uh, Carla Esparza in that one, and you know she looks. You know a lot of people calling her the female Habib, and she definitely looks like that. You know she's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, you know, an insane wrestler. And, you know, this division as well. You know, a lot of people, and uh, I saw a lot of people giving out to Ariel, you know, Jessica and Caitlin Chukagan and all, uh, about, oh, we're in this division and we need to get the title shot and all. But I, <laughs> what, do you think, like, someone like Suarez or Injeche coming up is, is the way to, to do it? What, I know we talked about Injeche. What do you think about, about Suarez? She's just dominant, isn't she? Yeah, like uh, we kind of said, wrestle fuck uh, Esparza and... I think she'll do that to most people, but I don't think Dana and all them in Endeavor in the UFC like, like historically, they don't like these kind of wrestling types. <laughs> you know, they won't be in any rush into a title shot like they have with, with Taylor. They did, even the way they did with Cody Garbrandt or even though he won the belt. So yeah, um, if she was dominating people not by wrestling, I have a feeling she won't next. 
yeah you're, you're breaking up a bit there but anyway <laughs> we'll carry on we'll we'll try to get through it the fucking our technical difficulties last while have been have been pretty bad but well, a few more fights here and let me let me talk away a little bit about them Jessica Andrade versus uh, Karina Kovalkiewicz in, in the co-main event this was a nasty nasty finish by by Jessica Andrade I tweeted at the time this fight was basically over by the by the time it started uh, Andrade just came out you know like a Mack truck throwing big big shots uh, Kovalkiewicz to her credit tried to fight back she tried her best but there was really nothing she could do and then Andrade came out uh, about halfway through the round and landed that that big big shot on her and put her down one of the nastiest uh KOs we've ever seen in the in the UFC uh women's straw weight division Andrade she has to be next for the belt doesn't she just how can you not make Andrade versus um versus Nami Yunus now yeah I think it makes sense uh I think we, I think we both picked her I was thinking more 29 28 uh, maybe a close decision where she edged out the rounds but yeah that, that was that was a serious as you say like yeah you know in 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 lower weights, even with men, in the men's lower weights, at, at like uh, one thirty-five, one forty-five, is already even one twenty-five, especially one twenty-five. There isn't very many knockouts or TKOs, um, and then especially in the women's divisions, as you mentioned, it's, it's rare to see see one. So that's a big statement victory, and she's been on an absolute tear recently. And she looked completely like a completely different fighter than when she was at one hundred and thirty-five pounds. So I think she's earned the title shot at this stage. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and. Yeah, uh, look, Suarez looked really good, and you know they, they talked about it a lot on the um, on, on on the broadcast at the weekend as well. That you know Suarez might be the way to go, but I, I don't think so. I think um, you know I think it's definitely definitely Andras ha- has to be next. You know, I didn't suppose moving on to Zabit Magomed Sharapov in in the third fight down on, on the on the card, and this was one of two uh, Solovev stretches that we saw uh, on the night, <laughs> neither of which got a bonus which was a bit insane so he looked a bit different in this fight a fight uh i thought i look he's he wasn't i don't know was he injured maybe or something but he wasn't you know throwing his usual mad stuff he was he was throwing bits of it he threw one very good body kick but he was he was more of an upright boxing kind of a stance in, in this fight than anything else and then you know when he obviously he got the fight to the ground that brilliant trip there at one stage as well uh, and and then he got the the, the Sulwev stretch or the, the Kenny Robertson stretches I, I like to call it. Were you impressed with with Zabit? I know it wasn't maybe his best performance ever, but it was it was very a routine enough win, wasn't it? Yeah, and he had some impressive moments in there, like that trip you mentioned. He always kind of has a few things that you don't really see that often, which makes him makes him interesting to watch every time. Even I think I mentioned on Patreon that I, w- I would have preferred the the title fight that fell apart to fall apart rather than this fight, even though it was kind of a squash match, just because. Zabi does show things that you don't see that often, and in that trip, for example, and <laughs> the knee bar finish. Obviously, you don't see that often, but we saw it twice on this card, which is very strange. But usually, usually that's a that's a rarity. Yeah, a hundred percent. And look, he's. I think I, I tweeted last night. He's the type of guy that it's it's basically inevitable that that he gets a you know he gets a title shot. I, I think it's just going to happen sooner rather than later. And you know, I think I think it should probably be sooner. I think there isn't many guys in that division that will get near him. He called out Chad Mendes last night. That seems to me like a good fight. You know, Yair Rodriguez was supposed to fight him this weekend. That didn't happen. Maybe that's another one. But I, I'd leave it for Yair at this stage. I'd. I, I think Chad Mendes versus a beat makes, makes a lot of sense. So, so let's see that happen. Uh, then in the bantamweight division, Jimmy Rivera and John Dodson. Not much you can say about that fight. Just an average fight over three rounds. 
you know, Rivera won it. That, that's about it. Uh, then Abdul Razak Al-Hassan knocked out Nico Price with an insane 40... Was it 43? It was 43 seconds of fighting, yeah. Just madness. He went all out and, hit and knocked him out with a beautiful left hook. Reminded me a little bit of Tony Bellew in that fight he had at Goodison Bar. So that was very good. We mentioned uh, Tatiana Suarez earlier. Aljamain Sterling as well with uh, the... Uh, the, the solo wave stretch again against Cody Staman. You know, we talked about Cody Staman last week looking really good. Uh, and, and Sterling, Sterling, good display here by Sterling, wasn't it? And, and a big win for him. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a good matchup. Like, it was uh, on paper. And I think me and you, Lean Sterling, what we, we, we were saying, it could go either way. Uh, Sterling's a bit hit and miss a lot of times. But he seems, he seems recently to be putting it together, to be put, putting it together a little bit better. I heard over the years that he's not really the best trainer and stuff like that. But, um, Maybe he's taking it more seriously now, or or maybe it's just uh, he has a lot of talent. Uh, clearly, like, and he he's he's a he's a bad matchup for a lot of people. So, like, I wouldn't rule him out and making a making a run, um, maybe even at a title. But in in that kind of picture, at least, uh, if he if he can knuckle down, like like he seems to have, and I think the talent is there if he applies himself. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. If I, I agree with that, if he can, you know, get to that next level, if he can, as you said, knuckle down and get there, I, I think he can as well. I really think he's a, he's a top guy, and, and Cody Saman is no joke. You know, I think Sterling called out Dominic Cruz afterwards. Maybe that makes a, a bit of sense now. So um, yeah, that that you know, big big things ahead for for Algerman Sterling. Jeff Neal as well looked absolutely fantastic. One of the knockout of the year contenders uh, so far with a huge head kick KO. Looked really good. He's you know, I talk about OSB all the time, not being able to jab or throw straight shots and stuff. Jeff Neal showed exactly what he needed to do. He, like, he was... I've, I, I don't think I've ever seen what he did at the weekend. He was leading with his straight left all the time. And then he was countering with his jab all the time, which is very odd. Okay, you see people throwing their straight left all the time, maybe, you know, not throwing the jab much uh, to, you know, in front of it. But I, I thought he was going to knock him out with his jab because he was countering so well with it. And you maybe it's kind of a shot you wouldn't maybe see in the fight when you're watching when you go back and watch it you just see every time that that um that frank camacho was kind of coming in and throwing shots he was counting just smacking him with that jab and he burst his nose open with it as well at one stage i think and the straight left as well was obviously a, a lot bigger of a shot but that that jab was kind of an absolute killer you know it was just touching him up every every single time he got inside and i was very very impressed with, with jeff neil so fair play to him darren stewart as well a good win uh for england uh in there he got he got the the second round uh TKO, he hit him with the elbow and finished him off after that. Diego Sanchez as well, look absolutely fantastic, getting a big win for Team Sheehan. Great night for Tim Sheehan with uh, Zabit winning as well. Fantastic display against Craig. I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, I, I, basically Diego Sanchez took him down and, and destroyed him on the ground for three rounds. People forget Diego Sanchez used to do this all the time. This was vintage Diego Sanchez, wasn't it? A long time ago, though. Long time ago, yeah. <laughs> like, but he he got into for a long time ago. He got into the kind of Leonard Garcia kind of brawling style. But yeah, when he was when he was coming up and on the ultimate fighter and stuff, he was he was the dangerous dangerous guy for getting on or dangerous wrestler. That was his threat. Um, where do you really go with Diego Sanchez? Like, you can't really put him in there with any hitters. He's probably going to get take a lot of damage. He's already taken over a thousand strikes to the face that was a few fights ago that stat was going around as well in the UFC alone so it's hard to know what you do with people like Diego Sanchez these veterans that are still picking up wins but you can't really put them in against the best guys in the division B J Pin. 
Boom. <laughs> yeah, Diego would love that. Yeah, like That'd it makes. Uh, yeah, I think it makes an awful lot more sense than than Ryan Hall versus BJ Pin, and it makes more sense than really anything you can think of for Diego Sanchez. Although Craig White is no joke, you know, he was good in, in the cage warriors and the local scene around here. So you know, if, if Diego tries, to, I think Diego Sanchez can beat lots of guys if he tries to do what he did last night. You know, <laughs> maybe not the top level of guys, definitely not, but. Yeah, and maybe not a welterweight as well. He says he's done at one fifty-five apparently, which I'd find very odd. I think you know he looked, he looked really small at welterweight last night. I think he's definitely one fifty-five. But however, it's you know great to see Diego Sanchez coming back with it with a good win as well. A legend of the sport, and you know, maybe Jim Jim Miller not at quite at that level, but a fantastic win for for Jim Miller. You know, Hart Alex White got him down uh, and submitted him with a rear naked choke. Fantastic win for Jim Miller. I think he's the most. Is it the most? What, what was it, the most wins? or the, He's some record anyway. He had like 30 fights in the UFC last night, which is insane. I think Dustin Poirier put up a, t- a tweet about it. Like, just fighting the UFC is good enough, but to fight 30 times in the UFC is is beyond uh, beyond an, uh, what anyone uh, could think of in a, a very good career for, for Jim Miller. Irene Aldana versus Lucy, uh, Lucy Pudlova fight at night. Absolutely fantastic fight. D- to me, this looked like kind of a coming of age for Irene Aldana, even though she, she lost the first round badly enough. She, she said on, on Twitter, actually, she saw the, a picture that she broke her hand in the first round, which was very odd because she seemed to fight way better in the second and third rounds. Maybe it spurred her on a little bit, but she looked she looked fantastic to me. Uh, in in the second and, and third round, in Jar Brooks beat Roberto Sanchez as well. Actually, just the one thing at Al- Aldana fight. It was actually I, I contacted him. Oh uh, no, not the Aldana fight. Sorry, it was the um, the Suarez Esparza fight. Somebody in the first round of that one, the judges gave Carla Esparza a ten eight round. And if anyone saw that fight, they know Carl or Tatiana Suarez absolutely decimated her. You know, 10-9, round uh, in that. But, no, definitely 10 8. But actually, before I get to that, Texas was one of the commissions I contacted when I was doing my article a while back. And they are one of the ones, and the only one that I found that does not institute the 3D scoring system and does not institute the more liberal 10 8s and specifically says that they don't institute it. Some of them say, oh, we've whatever judging, or whatever, but they say they don't have instituted it. That why, that's why there wasn't as many 10 8s. But however, the point on this was the judge made a mistake. So I contacted the Texas Commission and they got back to me and said that the judge admitted he made a mistake. So it should have been a 10 8 round for Carlos Barza. However, it didn't really make a difference anyway because. Um, because Esparza uh, uh, ended up uh, getting um, getting submitted in that one, so there you go. Good, good card overall, wasn't it? It, it kind of delivered. It, on paper, it looked a, a pretty good card. We know with the likes of even Diego Sanchez and Jim Miller on it, and and the big fights gone up through it. But very good card in practice, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and uh, the main event was decisive as well, which is, you know, you don't want one where you're saying, oh, he won or he won. You know, there's a lot of that recently in, in Woodley fights and in Darren Till's last fight. So it, it, it's good when there's, a, when there's a, like a, an outcome that, that kind of shows who, who the better fighter is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's move on to, to next week's card. And it's the first card in Russia as Mark Hunt takes on uh, Alexei Olnik. We have Jan Blakovich versus Nikita Krylov. Great to see him back in the UFC. My boy Shami is taking on Andrei Arlovsky, Thiago Alves. Uh, is back here Peter Yan I know who you're a big fight uh, fan of fights Jin Su Sun uh, Rusam Kabalov Kage and Johnson Marbek Tysimov Desmond Green uh, and a few other fights on that not the best card in the world looks maybe like a KSW card or, or something like that a good, good, no, relatively good card what you think of that main event Mark Hunt versus Alexi Olnik is it physically possible to Ezekiel choke Mark Hunt's neck yeah, I think I think he probably will. He probably really? take a dam- well. He probably take damage early, 
and then he'll probably grab a hold of him standing or something and stick him in a <laughs> some mad submission and Mark Hunt is not good on the ground like you know when Sean McCorkle's coming you from the bottom and breaking your elbow and okay he's improved a bit since then but we saw I know Brock Lesnar's explosive but he's been there for a long time and he, he seemed to be able to take Mark Hunt down whenever he wanted um Olenek's very old, but I don't know if Mark Hunt's heads in it anymore. He seems to be too busy moaning about everything, and maybe he has a, a good point and a good case on the Brock Lesnar thing, but I think, I don't know if it's... It's a tough one, because he really he should win, <laughs> like, you know, but Olenek has a... He can take, if he can take a few punches and just get a hold of him, it could be very bad news for, for Mark Hunt. Yeah, we often disagree in the main events, and last week, for the first time in about 10 years, I was actually right and you were wrong for once, so I, I'm disagreeing with you in here and again in this one. I think Mark Hunt, I think Mark Hunt's going to win this, I think he'll just hit too hard. Like, Olenek, as you said there, you know, he takes a lot of shots to get in and, and get a hold of you and take you down. I think that's grand against most guys, but against Mark Hunt, that's not a very good strategy, I don't think. I think if you let Mark Hunt hit you five or six times, you know, you're going to be in, in bad, bad trouble, so I, you know, I think Mark Hunt will... I, I think he'll piece him up and end up knocking him out. But as you say, you know, you can never rule out Alexi Olnik. If he does get you to the ground, it's 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 going to be a bad night for you. And I don't think, you know, Mark Hunt, how, uh, who are you, you going to get in to train for Ezekiel Choke from, from Mount um, defense? <laughs> it's going to be a tough one or standing Ezekiel Choke defense. That's that's definitely going to be a, a tough one. But, I'm not, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's a very Eastern European fight, isn't it? You know, <laughs> it's kind of like two old strong lads fighting in the main event at heavyweight. But uh, what's wrong with it? Absolutely nothing wrong with it. Krylov versus Blackovich. I'd be thinking here that Krylov is going to walk this one pretty easily. Blackovich has improved a lot lately, though, and he's, a, he's, you know, he's the sort of fighter that can just drag you three rounds and make it tough, isn't he? Yeah, he is. But uh, see, with Krylov, he had, like his, his offense is good, but his defense is terrible historically as well. So he's a hard one to, to predict. Like when he gets going and it kind of goes his way, he can actually land some really nice finishes and look really good. But he can also get Von Flew choked and not have a clue what he, what's going on, like you know. So um, it's a tough one to pick, but I, I probably would lean with Krylov. Yeah, yeah, I, I leave with Krylov as well. I think he'll, I think he'll, he'll win it over three rounds. But you know, against Blackovich, I, I think he could knock him out, but I, I don't think so. I think Blackovich is one of those guys that's a very, very tough out. You know, he's he's not a guy that will will go down easy. And if it goes three rounds, you know. Blackovich, you, you, I wouldn't. Would you? I wouldn't rule him out. Would you? No, I wouldn't rule him out. No, definitely not. But um, when when somebody's like as hittable and uh, has uh, deficiencies like like uh, Krylov does, there's definitely a chance there. But if I was if I was betting on a fifty fifty odds or evens odds, I'd I'd be going with Krylov here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Before we get to the the questions here, there wasn't much breaking news this week in in the world of MMA, but. Flash Entertainment, the, the Abu Dhabi crowd sold the remaining 10% to Endeavor. I, I heard Dave Meltzer talking about it on, on Wrestling Observer Radio, and he was, you know, Dana White said a couple of weeks ago that the, the UFC is worth seven, seven billion now, which would make this, uh, <laughs> which would make, and it was weird when he said it, but now that this has been sold, do you think there's a chance that this was sold for 700 million and the UFC has actually increased in value since Endeavor took it over? I, I find it hard to believe it's, it's, Four bit four point zero two billion to seven billion that quickly without losing stars like Ronda Rousey and McGregor not fighting as regularly as he as he was when they purchased the company and John Jones being out and Brock Lesnar only having one fight and the CM Punk thing not drawing numbers like they probably hoped 
uh, I find it hard to believe that, but I, I know nothing about the numbers and what's going on, and um, really, but it, it seems a bit of a stretch to me. I, 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 you know, and I'm kind of robbing Dave Meltzer's point on this here, but I, I think they they got more for us than the say the four billion valuation because why would they not sell then and they'd sell now? You know that they, they have to have gotten more than than that valuation. So. You know, but then did they get the seven hundred million? You know, the seven billion valuation. Uh, are you just pouring a cup of tea there? Yeah. Pouring water. Fuck's sake! We're doing a podcast here. This is this is professional podcasting, and you're pouring fucking water. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, look, as you mentioned there, like the TV deal, it wasn't the blowaway TV deal that a lot of people were expecting. You know, McGregor is coming back now. In fairness, so maybe there, there's you know talk about that. And I, I you know, I I think he'll he'll probably fight pretty. I wouldn't say regularly, but I think. There, it isn't beyond the realms of possibility that McGregor has two fights in the next six or eight months. Like you know, and you know, obviously Rousey's gone and stuff, but Brock Lesnar is coming back. You know, this is kind of I think now is maybe a good point to sell it because if you know if McGregor comes back and say he wins or he loses or whatever and's gone for a year and then Brock Lesnar comes back and he loses and he's gone and maybe never come back, I think that'd be a bad point to sell it. So I think you know it's better to have. <laughs> you know, it's better to be looking forward and seeing good things than looking back and seeing good things, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I think it's yeah. probably a good point uh, for them to, to sell it right now. But, you know, Endeavor have total control of it now. Um, I, I think they probably had total control of it always. I think Flash Entertainment were basically a, a silent partner just kind of taking their taking their 10%. So, um, yeah, that doesn't really make much of a difference. But how and ever. All right, let's get on to your questions. Everybody sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. I, I, have a, I won't say who, but I have a few podcasts coming up this week. I've, an, I've definitely one interview at least coming up this week. We're going to have the Q&A after this. So keep, keep sending in your questions after this. We, we recorded a bit early this week, so we don't have loads of questions. So keep coming them in. Uh, I'll have the rewatch as well, probably a Mark Hunter, uh, an old Nick Fighter, something like that. So there you go. Uh, patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Okay, Evan Keeveney. Who's a bigger threat to Rose, Suarez or Andrade? <sighs> Suarez, I think, to be honest. Do you? Why? Yeah. I think she can just take her down and hold her down. Uh, I think she's got good jiu-jitsu, Rose, but I think the the, the wrestling of, of Tatiana Suarez is probably better. Uh, it's more flashy what Rose does, but the basics and the... I see her, I see her beating Andrade. Like her style is is pretty rudimentary in Drage. Like it, like she's made a lot of improvements, but I think it's a harder style matchup against against Suarez. Yeah, I actually didn't agree. I I think, you know, yeah, I, I think like Rose against Andrade. If Rose or if Andrade comes in and rushes her and throws all those big shots, I think Rose can move away and counter her and maybe get a clinch, maybe go for a flying triangle or something like that if she, if needs be. Where against Suarez, that's that's going to be very hard. You know, you're going to have to do a lot of movement. You can't let her get near you at any stage. A little bit like, you know, like Habib. I, you know, I'd probably pick Rose in both fights because I think she's good. But I don't know. Suarez is really, really good, and that'd be an interesting fight. I want to see both those fights. So, so let's make them happen. Uh, Evan Keeveney, do you think the UFC will book Mickey Gall versus Diego Sanchez? If they do, how do you see it playing out? They, they could. Mm. I, I think Mickey. I'd favor Mickey Gall in that. In that fight, although Diego, Diego, Sanchez, know, yeah, Diego Sanchez is really good in the ground. His jiu-jitsu is excellent as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah well, I wouldn't say it's excellent, but it's, it's good. Uh, like Mickey Gall's probably, he's probably better on the ground. I'd say, I'd say than Diego Sanchez. Uh, I think Diego Sanchez is smarter in a fight though, and he could use just that, just that experience. Like you know, 
he's been in there a lot of minutes. Like a lot of his fights have gone to decision as well. So he spent he spent a lot of time in the octagon. He knows how to win fights, and sometimes even if one guy's more skilled than the other guy, uh, he can he he can just outfox him and just know how the judges can score things and uh, just be a little bit smarter. Like fighters need to learn these things over over fights. And Mickey Gall's still still young in his career. Like he's still he's still learning. Like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of talent there, but there's a, there's a lot of work to do still. Like and. I don't know, like that, it's a good fight. Like it's, it's a good fight for Diego Sanchez. We were talking earlier about who do you put Diego Sanchez against. Like so, that is a question we were asking earlier. You know, so who do you put Diego Sanchez against? And you can make a case for both guys, Mickey Gall and Diego Sanchez, winning this fight. So maybe that is the matchup to go with. Like uh, the open comer against the, the old veteran. Can he uses? Can he use his uh, smarts in the in the cage and his experience to to get a decision or to even finish Mickey Gall. So there's not that many matchups in that I'm I would I, I would want to see Diego Sanchez in, but that's one I would watch. Yeah, well yeah, I would be a bad one. I I would mind seeing that. Uh Keen uh Keating, are you going to the MMI slash Mai Tai show on Neptune next month? I didn't know there was on on to me on the details maybe. But if it's Mai Tai half MM half Mai Tai maybe not because that gets very, very boring because I don't want to see any fucking footboxing. But there you go. Uh, and he says, out of all Irish fighters signed for Bellator, who do you think could potentially challenge at the top of their division? Uh, at the moment, uh, we, you know, we talked about this last week, maybe Norman Park would be the definitely yeah. the front runner. Reds are then after that. And then there's a lot of lads. You know, Peter Queeley signed last week as well. I think he could be a one that maybe is next up there. You know, he, he's a, you know, Queeley's can be a tough bastard, a tough matchup for a lot of lads, you know. Uh, we talk, you know, people give out about Bokwidi not finishing fights a lot, but he doesn't get finished himself a lot either. You know, he's one of those guys that he, he can drag you three rounds, maybe a little bit like Blakovich, you know, you were talking about earlier, and he did get a, a finish as well recently, so he's definitely improving. But you know, him and then you know, you've you've loads of more guys as well on the come up there that that are you know not there yet and uh, at the moment. But is there anyone? Standing out, you know, Carl Moore as well, I suppose. Kiefer Crosby, anyone else I yeah, missed out on? Kiefer, Carl, I was going to mention, yeah. Um, we're probably forgetting people. Uh, there's so many signed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, nobody's coming to mind, but yeah, there's there's a long way to go for most guys, bar like Norman Park and, and Rezzer, but and maybe Carl Moore as well. But I wouldn't be in a rush to get any of these other guys into into title contention or title shots uh, anytime soon. Uh, Adam, if we're talking not giving a shit about rankings and building lads correctly, give me Zavid versus Maikano. Sure, that seems okay with me. What you, that's not a bad fight, is it? Yeah, that w- I wouldn't even go like the rankings are. Yeah, that's a fine fight. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. like yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and one here from Adam as well. We had during the week unwatchable fights, fellas. On one seven seven, Graham mentioned that even though he's not keen on either fight, he would still watch talk. Chuck Tito three and Diaz Anderson two. What plausible fights could Ramona make that would make that would be so egregious that both of you would refuse to watch? If any, I'd say plausible, silly ones like Don Fry coming back. Uh, don't get mentioned, of course. That is possible, mm-hmm. but not plausible for me. I, I yeah. No, I, I kind of have to watch it as a like. Uh, yeah. If you're going, we're going to talk about it, it's going to be news. Like it's it's kind of a different situation than when you're a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but even all these mad freak shows like you know Dada. 5,000 Kimbo like everybody knew that was a joke but yeah. people watched it anyway because it's just crazy <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah uh, there was a man like Chris Lieben Chris Lieben coming back to do bare, bare knuckle boxing when he's like a heart issue well, that's not MMA though yeah, yeah but yeah that's true well it is I don't know but yeah look when we watch fucking High Gracie versus um, versus Ken Shamrock Matthews. like two years ago Even. like 
Yeah. Even Matt Hughes come back from Hoist Gracie was like, what the fuck? Like, this is yeah. sad. We'd watch everything. That's that's really the answer to that. Uh, okay, a couple more here. Um, do you think Darren Till will move up and wait now? Michael Burner, if you have to call it. Uh, I, I think he will. Do you think in a word, yes or no? No. No, you don't think? Oh, okay, fair enough. Paul Brown, uh, does anyone else heart sink when they hear DC is commentating on fights? There's definitely more people saying that these days. I, you know, I like DC, but there's he kind of seems to blow the big moments a lot of the times. Yeah, I, I think as I said earlier, when he has any kind of investment in, in either fighter or in the fighter, it, it affects him in any way. He, he can't control, he can't be unbiased, so that's a problem, but... He's been there a while, but he hasn't been there that long. So maybe, maybe he can iron these these things out. But I don't know if anybody's having a word with him. Anybody's saying, "Oh, you need to, you need to do this, you need to do that." I don't, it doesn't. It seems like he's just doing the same thing that he's been doing for the last few months now. Yeah. Uh, Isolt Cody asked, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I got her name right. Um, where to know for till up away? Yeah, we Isolt just talked about that. Isolt. I S E U L T. It's Isolt. Isn't can, it? That can be Isolt, and it can be uh, Isolt. I feel bad now because she's always giving out about people mispronouncing her name, but I think I got it right. Um, will Montano versus Shevchenko ever happen? I don't think it ever will now. Will it? I nah, think, nah, nobody's going to be clamoring to get that back together. Like. I don't think Montano's good enough to get a title shot again because if she gets, uh, you know, she'll probably get a fight against a relatively good contender, even if she gets, you know, Sajara Eubanks or, or something like that. And I think she'll probably lose that fight and we'll never hear of her again, basically. But which is harsh enough, but I just think it's <laughs> never hear again. <laughs> it's reality. And we uh, never saw her again. <laughs> Brian Reno, if McGregor beats Habib, do you think his next fight could be Woodley? That's an interesting yeah, one. Yeah, it could be, yeah. I, I really don't think it will be. I just, I can't see, like, I know he's an insane bastard who will take any fight and is, you know, is afraid of absolutely no one, but Woodley, like, that, is that not a step too far, like? Third belt. Yeah, but fuck, would they, I think they'd, they'd make a 165 pound belt for him before they, you know, he'd yeah. have to take the Woodley fight. So. Yeah, I'm surprised that 165 pound division hasn't come around already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is true. Uh, last question here, and I'll get to the rest of them over on uh, Patreon. Keep keep sending them in. Uh, from Patrick, Tyron Woodley said that he saw Till on the countdown show practicing the uppercut and that he was preparing a counter for it. Do you think fighters need to be more careful about what they show on camera? Well, yeah, what do you think yeah. as someone who's been involved in definitely. countdown shows like that? Definitely. You need to... You, need to, you can't show what you're going to do. You can't... Like, uh, Maybe he's thinking, oh, if I show this, then he'll think I'm, I'm trying to fool him or something. Maybe it was kind of like a reverse psychology going on there or something. Or maybe they just didn't think about it. Maybe they just... You get used to the embedded guys following you around and you kind of just forget they're there when you do it. And then all of a sudden it's in the episode. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it is a tough one. You know, there's lots of just normal shots you can show on pads and stuff and... Uh, you know, and maybe, you know, Darren, Darren Till as well, this was his first fight ever in America, this was his first pay-per-view main event, this was his first title shot, you know, a lot of new things here from him, maybe that's something that, you know, he needs, to, and Tarn Woodley is one of those guys that he looks at everything, he sees everything, and he's, you know, you can't be, you can't be sleeping when you're, you're fighting Tarn Woodley, so, you know, fair play to Tarn Woodley for seeing that, and maybe it's something Till can, can learn for, uh, from in the, in the future. 
All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Good podcast. A little bit shorter this week because there wasn't really wasn't much to talk about apart from the big fights. But I think we, we broke down UFC 228 uh, pretty well. We're going to have, uh, obviously, a lot of coverage coming up to, to the McGregor fight next week. Sign up on Patreon, or next month even. Sign up on Patreon. Uh, we have a lot of things coming, to be honest. So so now is the time to, to sign up. And we, if you sign up now, it'll get you almost the whole way there. So there you go for, a, for a, the, the price of... a. The price of a pint a month. Do you know what we need to do? And I, I, I'm. Uh, this is the first time I've said it. We need to do like, and I'm not even sure if this is possible, but maybe it is, and you can have it done by the time this podcast comes out. Can you do like severemma.com forward slash pints, and it'll take you directly to Patreon? Yeah. Okay. So. Do let that. Graham's go- away there. And let me try that. <laughs> Graham's got to do that. So go there. Severemma.com forward slash pints it'll take you directly to our p-i-n-t-s and take you directly to our patreon so you can give us five dollars for the price of a pint at the moment at the moment it directs to Niall's facebook page but uh, we'll we'll change that now (laughs) god bless god bless all right everybody thanks for listening severe my podcast <laughs> SevereMay.com forward slash points. Follow me at Sean Sheehan Ba. Follow Graham at SevereMay. Uh, send in your questions all week to at Pod. We love you lots. And here is the inspirational quote of the week The world is filled with nice people. If you can't find one, be one. We'll see you next Tuesday or Monday or Sunday. <laughs>